This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, who's ASE certified. And today we want to find out how do you use your vehicle? Do you use it as an office? Do you use it as a closet? Do you use it as a dinner table? How about as a garden? We've got Felder Rushing, MPB's Gestalt Gardener here, to talk about the garden in the back of his pickup. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. Hello, Felder. Hola. Good morning. woo so what was the idea about sticking a garden in the back of the pickup? Well, I was, uh, and by the way, Allison is the first lady to ever drive my pickup truck, and she squealed out of the parking lot. I mean, I almost lost my basil on one corner. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's no, an old she's pickup not. Truck. <laughs> I started growing stuff back there, Liz, because I got tired of people whining about not being able to garden. I don't have a place to garden. I don't feel... So I'm thinking, what's the most difficult place to grow a garden? Well, how about up against the cab of a pickup truck where there's really not a whole lot of wind. I mean, Allison, you know, if you're from the Delta, you we're raised right in the back of a pickup truck. Oh, yeah. You, you get up you're next right. to the it's cab. There's no wind. And I start out with a bag of potting soil with some little slits and a tomato and a basil and a pepper and something else. And it survived. You know, you stop for gas, you get water. So I moved up to a bigger bag of potting soil. Now I've got that uh, box. I don't know how big that box is. Yeah. It's about as wide as my... It's like a two by five or something, something like that and it's just a metal box with some holes drilled in the back of it so water drains out instead of up under it and I filled it with some potting soil and stuck plants in it and found out what will take 105 degrees in the summer uh, 15 degrees in the winter and 80 mile 81 miles an hour according to the highway patrol <laughs> Will that truck do that? <laughs> I have an official government document from the Louisiana Highway Patrol that says 81. I'm going to call that an official document. Well, this truck is world famous, and MPB did a uh, Mississippi Roads video. So remind our autocorrect listeners who might not have seen the piece about your truck refurbishing. Well, since my, my truck got stolen one time. You know, who's going to steal a truck like mine with stuff in the back? Well, they did. And we recovered it, but it had been completely st- garden was gone. Everything I'm guessing was- that was one heck of a fan. No, no. It was some It was some young. Th- they were too young to be stupid. That's what it was. Wow. That's anyway. A, that's quite Yeah, they were back in the neighborhood two days later going through other people in my truck. Anyway, wow. the, uh, the guys at... Uh, uh, Holmes Community College up in Goodman, the auto collision repair technology class. They use it for a whole semester, and they stripped it and put it back, and it is prettier than when it was day it was new. 
Nice. That's a fancy green. And you can see pictures of it, by the way. I just posted some on my social media, Instagram, Facebook, tweeted some pictures uh, so that I just took a Felder's beautiful truck in in the garden. It's it's John Deere Green. I mean, Allison, you're from the Delta. I'm from the Delta. I'm a John Deere girl. My daddy was John Deere. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm wearing John Deere Green You are. (laughs) Allison, the lady auto mechanic, is wearing John Deere Green. Yeah, well, I decided to go with that partly because I can get cheap touch-up paint. Yeah. (laughs) Me. Okay. But, you know, over the years, I found some plants that will grow, but they don't do well. And I would just pull them out, stick something else in the hole. And if it did well, great. And over the years, I mean, you see it. I've got basil and oregano and parsley and kale. In the summer, I've got peppers and and uh, uh, basil, yeah. you know. And so I can eat roadkill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Saute it up with some kale. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I have, spices. you know, I, 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 this is not an auto question, but I'd like to find out if there's a way I could put some kind of fin where I could blow air so I could get another six inches of gardening back there. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you could probably put about a six-inch fin right on the back back there, and that'd up, probably up, give you another foot or two. Mm-hmm. You know, if I could get another six inches, it makes a big difference. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're on autocorrect today. You may th- it may sound like the Gestalt Gardener. Uh, that's on Fridays at 9 a.m., but we're on autocorrect with Allison Walker, ASC certified with our guest, Felder Rushing. We're talking about how do you use your vehicle. We would love to hear from you. Do you use it as a closet? Do you use it as a dinner table? Do you have any special gizmos that you keep in your car to help you function your car rather than just go from here to there? Our number is one. 1- 877 MPB ring. That's one. Don't forget the one. 877. Don't forget the 877. 672 7464. You can also send us an email auto at mpbonline.org. And the, the folks who refurbished your your truck Holmes they, Community College Holmes yep. Community College they they just you know nearly stripped it down and, and oh, put no. it back together I, I, they completely stripped it down and uh, like you say the uh, Mississippi Roads they did a series where they actually went to the shop when it was being stripped down they had the whole thing and uh, I'm sure it's, it's is, is here on MPB someplace. I know if you go it to is. Gestalt Garden. We'll put the Garden, link on our on this show. It's a fun little thing. I mean, they showed a replant, and you know, it's got goofy stuff, and you know. It's, but anyway, completely refurbished, and they did a it's so good, such a good job. I actually dropped the new engine, and I'm gonna try to yeah. keep it another 150, 200,000 miles. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe you learn where those plugs are. Well, I want I want to ask you something, Allison. Sure. Um, you know, in gardening, we have things that. If we didn't have them, you know, like a shovel or a garden hose or a water bucket, we just couldn't garden without them. And uh, I'm not talking about horticulturists. But I'm talking about garden variety gardens. What do you have, you know, sitting on top of your, your whatever? What would be something that, let's say, uh, somebody doesn't know what a, the Phillips head from a flathead screwdriver should keep in their glove box? That the quintessential only does one thing, but you got to have it. A flathead. Flathead. Yeah. See, I'm not you sure do a what lot that. With that. Oh, you mean you like a screwdriver? Flathead. Flathead screwdriver. Yeah. I would think it uh, like like a, a tire pressure gauge or something like gauge that. Is you know, really good. I mean, you can't uh, use it for anything else. You can open mm-hmm. cans with a with a uh, true. flathead. True. True that. True what that. What would you use but, a flathead yeah. for? Uh, anything. If you had to <laughs> pry something off or check something that you uh, 
pull a cap off and look at your fluid that you need to do on your truck? <laughs> Liz, my, my, my red Blake, my red brake light came on yesterday and I'm thinking eh, probably needs I, I don't even know where the <laughs> gate ask me about azaleas but I don't even know where you check the your the brake fluid at all I'm sure it's one of those things with a cap on it up under the hood yeah but yeah. I, I'm not a car guy <laughs> to the right it's in front of the where the driver sits always it's always. next to the headlight fluid Oh, dear. Please don't say that. <laughs> now you're talking my language. I mean, and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the beautiful things about here at MPB because, you know, I'm the garden guy. You're the car gal. Gal, I guess I can say gal. I was raised. You can say gal. It didn't bother me. You know, we got, the, you know, the, the animal folks were here just before, yeah. you know, because we don't have, if you don't have to know anything, yeah. just tune in to MPB. Yeah. Michelle, uh, we've been talking about how people use their cars. Uh, uh, Michelle has a very special use for her vehicle. You don't uh, sleep in it. <laughs> oh, my. No, I don't sleep in my car. But I, I love actually, this idea. I think it's extremely practical. I think I'm not the only one who does this, but uh, I'm on the go a lot. I'm in graduate school. I work full time, and I'm interning. So I need shoes. I have different outfits and things like that. And I don't, she's a snappy dresser. Oh, well, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. drive in heels, my heels, heels that I don't want to mess up. If I paid $100 for a pair of shoes, definitely not yeah. going to drive in them. Uh, my aunt in Chicago taught me that a long time ago. So I keep shoes in my trunk uh, and in the back seat sometimes. <laughs> um, and I decide what I want to put on. Or In my mind, I already know what shoe I want to wear with that certain dress. It has backfired, though. I've gotten to work, and I thought this pair of shoes was in the trunk or in the back seat, and it wasn't. So I literally was going to drive all the way home to get another to get the shoe that I wanted to wear to, with that dress. And my coworkers were like, the men especially, I don't see anything wrong with no, the shoes are so important. They don't get it, especially with an outfit that goes together. <laughs> you got to coordinate. You got to coordinate. You got to coordinate. But we do get. To... We do get. I wear Chuck Taylors. See, they go with your <laughs> They go with anything. They go with anything. So lucky. And the thing about it is what we were talking about, um, gas mileage. And my old car, my boyfriend, I had that car stuffed in the back. The trunk was too full. And I understand the point. It's not safe to have your trunk overflowing with things. It weighs down the car. And it's not safe if you need to get to the... um, Oh, spare tire. Spare tire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was really on that. Would you please not, with your new car, can you not stuff the trunk with shoes and clothes and <laughs> stuff like that? Keep your clothes in your closet at home. He doesn't understand. But I am not to the point where I was with the old car. I'm actually, I have like That's a good. few pair. And it's, it's, it's to me, it's clean. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's clean. Well, that that's that's kind of like working out of your car with having exactly. shoes. Exactly. You need them. And you work out you of your them. car, don't you? We'll I do. We'll talk about that when we come back from break, huh? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take our, our first break. We'd love to hear how you use your vehicle between our repair calls. So give us a call. Do you use it for napping? Do you use it for snacking? Do you use it for work? But uh, our main thing is Allison is here to take your vehicle repair questions. One eight. Seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send us an email. Auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? We're going to have a list of ones that are when we come back. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. I need to. I need to sneak out, y'all. Okay. I got to go water some tomato. Allison, (laughs) we need to talk about brakes in my truck. Bye. See y'all Friday. Bye. 
Listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to AutoCorrect with Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. If you can't listen to our whole show all the way through live, please find our podcast. I like to listen to podcasts when I am cleaning up around the house. Here are the recalls for the week. There are the 2017-2019 uh, Ferrari cars. There may be problems with the fuel vapor sensor. The 2019 Honda Avalon Hybrid. Camry's Hybrid uh, have problems with their fuel filter pipe. And the 2018 Audi A3 RS3 may have a headrest problem. So you can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov slash recall, and inputting your VIN number. Today we're talking about how folks use their cars. Do you camp in your car at a state or a national park? But we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our number is one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to auto at mpbonline.org. Andrew from Vicksburg, we're so glad that you've called in today. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, good morning. Um, morning. I had an interesting question. I have a 2012 Chevy Spark with 110,000 miles. And I love it. It runs great. I hope to hit 250,000 miles. And uh, thus far, I've only replaced the battery and oil at regular intervals. And I kind of ignored the, uh, it's out of warranty, so no problem there. But I've kind of ignored manufacturer recommended replacement for struts and brakes, uh, simply because I've never had issues. You know, tire wear is fine. I just wanted to ask, what's your opinion about, you know, just using parts until you actually see a problem rather than follow, you know, 50,000 and replace the struts? I haven't ever heard mm-hmm. about 50,000 replace the struts. You might, it might have just said check them. No, you might. Ah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, just so you know, your transmission fluid has to be done about at least every 50,000. That's often uh, looked over, and your brake fluid every two to three years. That car okay. is probably electronic steering, so it probably doesn't have a uh, a maintenance on the power steering fluid, but you're probably getting close to spark plugs due. Just keep an eye out for those things. PCV valve oh, is not it. often listed, mm-hmm. so that's one. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as far as your shocks and struts, there's no recommended maintenance period. It's when they go out, and you'll know your car gets bouncy is one thing. It kind of bounces like a cloud. Or if you push down on the bumper, it'll sit there and just kind of keep bouncing instead of tightening mm-hmm. up. Um, but those are things that they don't need to replace until they've gotten pretty bad uh, as far as the shocks go. Brake you'll hear them squealing it's it's time to go ahead and replace the pads and so you generally don't have um most people don't have a problem with their shocks or anything until two hundred thousand miles so it's it's rare but it does happen where people a car prematurely wear out um 
but it's usually it's about 200,000 when you have that and so about um, 60,000 miles for your front brakes and about 100,000 miles for your rear brakes so you I imagine you've, you've replaced a set of pads at this point Oh, never have yet. I mean, I'm I'm not hard on the brakes. You know, okay. It's, oh, and it's a, it's a stick shift too. So I I okay. asked about. So fluid. you're downshifting fluid. to, yeah. Mm-hmm. So even on standard, you you replace the fluid. You have to do it less on the standard, as far as I know. But check ah. your check your manual okay. on that. You do have to do that though, uh, on them. But anyway, that's that's all you have to really worry about. That that give you get you started. Uh, one thing that I I hate about the maintenance mm-hmm. schedule that they list on on any manufacturer. I've never seen them list the PCV valve, which is regular maintenance. Uh-huh. They'll okay. They don't even say check it. Um, but that's one that you do. And then we used to have fuel filters. Most car, there are cars still on the road that have fuel filters. People need to make sure they're changing that. That's not something I see recommended, and it'll make your fuel pump work hard, and you need to replace it. And always know when your spark plugs are due. There's some uh, vehicles out there that it's due every 30,000, and these are brand-new vehicles. And then most spark plugs are due at about 120, so yours is going to fall in there somewhere. You need to know when that's due. Because if you wait too long and your spark is is making it where it has to work harder to make that spark, it'll wear your plug out, your colon plug. And that okay. will uh, cause you to have to replace a much more expensive part than just replacing your spark plug. So always do that on time. But that's okay. that's what you need to mm-hmm. think about. But don't so don't worry about the shocks until it gets feels like a cloud when you're bouncing down the road and it just you'll see the cars <laughs> that go down the road and they look like a cloud. <laughs> that's like what my I dad call it. Like a, is my dad said like it's being on a boat. You yeah, know, like it's. <laughs> that's that's even better. Yeah, like a boat. So then you, you know it's it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, thanks for calling in, Andrew. And if uh, any of our other listeners have a question that they would like Allison to answer like we answered Andrew's, please give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-672. 7464. You can also send us an email. The address is auto at mpbonline.org. Speaking of emails, we've got about three, oh, Allison. Wow. Yay. This one is from, uh, oh gosh, and uh, well, we'll get to it in just a moment. Um, we're talking about way, things you can do with your car. We would love to hear people also just call in with telling us ways that they can use their car. And there are I found a website that has seven ways you can make money with your car, and one of them is deliver groceries. Allison, do you do any of these uh, grocery delivery services yet? No, I hate driving if I don't have to do it. (laughs) When you live way out in Rankin and just to go get a cup of coffee is 15 minutes, you just get tired of driving. Uh, So I've thought about it. It's crossed my mind, but there's there's no chance of me doing that. Well, have you partaken? Do you get things delivered to you? No, I don't. I'll just go get it. I think (laughs) that's an extra expense you're paying someone to go do. If I try to be prepared and have all my stuff at home, so I live so far out. Well, here's the email. Um, This is from Sandra. It's a 2000 Ford Ranger. My check engine light is on, but I've had several people check it for code. The only message that comes up on all three different readers was 
runs lean or rushing lean. No code. It's getting progressively worse. It always seems to idle kind of high. Now when I crank it, it runs real rough and will go dead if I try to take off too soon. Do you have any suggestion as to what could be wrong? We have checked all the hoses and can't find any leaks. We also tried fuel cleaners and premium gas help. Okay. Um, that's a that's a really good question. I like this one. Um, so on her car, something that could be happening is her MAF sensor or her what tells how much air is coming into the car is reading wrong, and it's causing it to run lean. It's thinking it's getting uh, too little, too much air when it's actually not. It's getting a normal amount, and it's leaning out your mixture. Uh, and that's causing it to stumble and idle. It's because it's not getting enough gas at idle. That's usually when you'll see a lean situation is at idle. So it could be her MAF sensor or AFS sensor. Some are called an airflow sensor. Um, so that's something that she would want to check out. Other than that, uh, maybe her oxygen sensor is reading wrong and it's leaning it out and it's thinking it's leaning and or it thinking it's running rich so it's leaning it out so this is actually a situation where you you need someone good to kind of eliminate problems and figure out what it is if you can't find a leak but you need an air leak they were definitely looking in the right direction to look for an air leak on there because it's getting in air that it's not supposed to so it's, it's leaning your mixture out and that's what the car is doing so it, regardless of what's happening it's, it's leaned out i know that's very confusing and all that that's a that's a complicated question to ask ask on air um so i can send her an email back and kind of explain that a little bit better but but her car's running lean that's what lean now that's something i've not heard before lean relates to the amount of oxygen uh, with the gasoline how or? It, it relates to how much fuel is coming in there okay so it's just not getting enough gas so okay. it's stumbling at idle something's telling it to run lean okay though. That's the situation. Okay. Something is something's telling the car to run lean. It's thinking I'm getting not enough air, too much air, and it's leaning up your mixture. Or either your oxygen sensors read wrong. It's like we think it's rich, so let's lean this car out, and it will take less take take more fuel out of your system. So something's reading wrong there. What you do is put it on one of those diagnostic computers and read your actual values of your MAF sensor and your oxygen sensor and see if you can tell if they're reading off or what what should be normal. They could be reading off and that'll give you that points you in the direction of what what's actually happening if you don't have an air leak. You gotta eliminate an air leak though. And what I've learned from you since we've done autocorrect is sometimes you can have a problem and sometimes you can have a problem with the sensor that tells you you have a problem. Right, right, exactly. And, and you need a good diagnostician to mm. let you know the difference between the two. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's take a call. We've got Bill from Tupelo. Bill, we're so glad you've called into AutoCorrect. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, I have a 2005 Silverado that has a ticking noise coming from the engine, and it's not always there. Um, it comes and goes. Sometimes it's really really loud and uh it seems like i've got kind of low oil pressure too and i was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that ah good question i'm sorry you're having that problem that could be serious uh so if you're having an oil pressure problem something in your engine is not building the pressure like it should it doesn't work from the oil pump it works works from the tolerances in the engine so for some reason 
your oil pressure isn't correct within your within your engine what i would do is have it oil pressure tested first to see what is your actual oil pressure and if it's low then you have to start looking into what's causing that and that could be bad bearings or something like that so when your oil pressure is getting low it's making your valves tick like that and and it, that could be from some cam phasing going on it's not able to put it in the timing that it needs to and it's clicking the top of the piston heads this is a serious issue on that so that's something you want to get looked at right away because it can shut you down it can break but then there's a chance you can fix it before and and have it fixed some things with oil pressure are easy to fix some aren't but um something is going on there so more serious and the first thing i would text is uh is check the oil pressure to see what the actual reading is and then go from there okay all right that's good advice yeah i've been told uh i took it to a shop and they told me just to keep driving it and i didn't really sounded right oh my <laughs> yeah. god okay well that was shocking i'm sorry that they told you that uh, that's okay. funny it sounded uh, like they wanted to replace the engine for you yeah, maybe. Well, uh, okay. Well, that that was good information. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. All right, Bill, we're glad we could help you out. We're going to do one more email before we take a break. This one is from Lauren. We travel a lot, and my Prius is perfect for resting. We can lay the back seats down and easily fit a full-sized air mattress in the back. We sleep at rest stations, campsites, and even Whole Foods parking lots. Why pay for a hotel when you have a Prius? I like that. That's what I do in my Prius. Excellent. I'll do a mixture of Airbnb and sleeping in my car or a hotel. Because uh, I can't just sleep in my car. I've, I've tried to do that on right. vacation, and you have to get a break and get out of it. But, well, yeah. And I think, is it, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Is it the, the Honda Fit, the front seat can scoot forward, and the seat part flips up, the seat back flips down so that you can lay flat in just a regular car without cool. uh, a hatchback, without folding down the back seats. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that, but that's that's neat. All right. Well, we're gonna we're talking about how folks use their cars and taking your car repair questions. Hang on the line. We'll get to you when we come back from the break. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send us an email auto at mpbonline.org what's an unreliable car not to buy we'll get to that after the break you're listening to autocorrect on mpb think radio you're listening to autocorrect on mpb think radio Thanks for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. I'm Liz Gill, and I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. Consumer Reports has a list of 108 2007 to 16 models that have a record of much worse than average overall reliability based on subscriber responses to their annual survey. Today, we're going to caution you about the only Saturn on the list, the Saturn Outlook, which was modeled in the specifically the model years of 2008 and 2009. So please consider reading up on the reliability of this car before purchasing it as a used car, suggests Consumer Reports. CarComplaints.com is another source for unreliable car lists. 
And if you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis. He has reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for 25 years. His review this week is on the 2019 Mazda Miata RF. Ah, you know, our friend Roddy Merritt that was on here has started to do car reviews, new car reviews. Okay. Also. Excellent. So if y'all want to catch that show again and his his podcasts and all that that he does, Nito. He's doing a lot of things. Uh, yeah, Roddy was a fantastic guest on AutoCorrect. He also was on um, Money Talk, and his podcast is The Smart Car Buyer, and he's got quite a few... Uh, episodes on, and uh, he's the last two have been talked uh, talking about buying a used car. All right, let's go to the phones. We're so glad that uh, JD from Snow Lake has been holding. JD, you're on AutoCorrect. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. I listen to you guys all the time. I support MPB. Great. Thanks for listening. I had a friend of mine had a Nissan Pathfinder on the field for about four years. I bought it for a dollar. And I've replaced the fuel pump, the ECM, the mass airflow sensor, the plugs, the plug wires, distributor, tongue and belt, all that goes with that. All the hoses and all the belts. And this, it's about to just get me aggravated because I went to crank it the other day and it won't crank. Um, I pulled the codes, the knock sensor code, and that's about it. I'm okay. Concerned. Do you have any ideas from where I should go from there? I do have a few, but I'm very interested in what you have to say also. Um, so when the knock sensor is not reading correctly, it won't let your car crank. So it may literally be the knock sensor itself is acting up, or you have a knock. But it sound, because it won't let it crank, I'm guessing that knock sensor has gone bad. And so, so that's my guess from there. I'll leave it at that. I won't get too detailed. But um, with uh, you having replaced all those different things, I'm, I, did it really need all that stuff? <laughs> well, the, the, the PCM uh, would get so hot, the car would go into limp home mode. Okay. And I bought it with 200,000 miles in the original timing belt. And the mass airflow sensor went out. And, you know, I got to was that is that the three point three liter engine? Yes, yes, a three point three. Okay, yeah, because they put three point five with the timing chain in them in two thousand. So, um, yeah, you may you may just have a either a, an actual knock is going on, or your knock sensor's gone bad. And if a knock sensor's gone bad, it won't let your car crank. So that's very well could be what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Well, J.D., we're so glad that you called in. Now we're going to go to Kay in Memphis. Kay, uh, you're on autocorrect. Thanks for calling in. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. My question is not about a car problem, but I thought Allison might be able to enlighten people. I'm a Korean War veteran. I was was stationed between... um, Texas and California most of the time that I was in. And wow. I bought my first car out there. But anyway, before, okay, let me change that. Allison, do you know when uh, air conditioning was first available in cars? Oh, no. I have no idea. That I imagine that was like in the, maybe in the 30s or something. Or, and it could no. have been the 50s. Yeah, 50s. Okay. Okay. Well, I did a lot of desert driving. And because you really would suffocate if you didn't have some kind of cooling system, 
And I don't know who invented this, but you could buy them on the market, and it looked like a, a smaller piece of stovepipe, except, except it was silver, not black. And you would stop at a gas station and get ice and fill it with ice, and there was an opening on the back end of it that you could put a hose or something in, in into your car, and it blew cold air in. Oh, and wow. That, that was the air conditioning back in the early 1950s. Wow, cool. I've never heard of that. That's so I, I just thought that would be interesting thing. That was before air conditioning was available at all in cars, as far as I know. Um, because I think if it had been, people would have had air conditioning out there because it would get suffocatingly hot. So anyway, yes, I, I just thought I would uh, throw in a little bit of information that people might be interested in. Thanks, okay. Kay. That's really interesting. We appreciate you sharing that with us. Okay, thank you. All right. And Bye-bye. it's neat that she was a vet from back then. You don't. There's not a ton of women that were were in the army or or in the military back then. So that's pretty. That's we really appreciate cool. Kay for her service. Yes, now we've got Rosie from Tupelo who is on the air with AutoCorrect. Rosie, we're so glad you called in. Go ahead. Thank you for answering my call. I've been trying to get you for a while, but um, what I wanted to ask you is my um, light on my car, the TLC, the transmission or transition light. It keeps coming on, but it will dry. I can't drive it, but I was wondering what was the problem of the light coming on. Are you sure that's not your uh, traction control light, the TCL? That's what it is, the traction control. Okay. It's just the traction control lights coming on? Yes, ma'am. Is it doing it when you're going across bumps or anything like that, or is it just random? It's random. I can drive around a corner a whole block. But then after a block dry, it'll come on and it won't go off. Okay. For some reason, it's shutting down your, your traction control system then, which is probably read through your ABS sensors on that car. So do you you do not have an ABS light on, I'm guessing? No, uh-uh. It's not on. Okay. Just a traction control light. I'm yes. not sure what would cause that to come on by itself. That's something you're going to have to get someone to. That's going to take one of, you know, a, a computer diagnostics to read those particular codes. You can't go get that read at O'Reilly's or somewhere like that. You have to have the, the more expensive diagnostic um, tool to read the those those codes and find out why it's setting that light off. Uh-huh. So okay. it's, it's probably just a sensor's acting up, but usually when a sensor's acting up, it sets off your ABS code too. So I'm not, I have no idea what's going on with that. That's that's one you'd have to get checked out on a. Computer. Rosie, I have a question because I'm quite yeah. a clumsy person, and you mentioned going around a block. Some <laughs> vehicles on um, on the turn signal or on something, maybe that's like a button on the end of the turn signal. Is that right? Or right, on a stick shift and it turns it off and on. Sometimes, right. sometimes I, I don't know. I never know if I've got Could traction on or traction off or, or if okay. it's on the gear shift by my knee. Sometimes I bump okay. things because <laughs> I'm a clumsy okay. driver sometimes. That's, it. that's a good I question. I am too. I am too. Sometimes I see a bright light on. I have to, when did I put that on? Right. So, th- so where is the button for that? That's a good question. Do you know it's where you're? It's on my steering wheel. It's on my steering wheel. Okay. Then maybe maybe you have bumped it because when you do push it, it will come on on your dash to let you know that system is off, which you can okay. turn off on any car. 
So that, yeah, good. I'm glad you you mentioned that. That's good. Yeah, well, then I will try that and see if that's the thing before I have to dish out all that. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Rosie. We thank ab- you. You're welcome. We appreciate okay. you being on our show. Uh, if you have a call like uh, Rosie, Kay, JD, Bill, Sondra, or Andrew, we'd love for you to call in. We've still got a lot of time for the rest of the show. Our number is one. Our email is auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a couple more um, emails that we're going to go to. Mike in Batesville, he says uh, he needs three places. He needs home, work, and a third place like Cheers. But he loves... <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Within his vehicle. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, he he loves... He calls his truck his rolling office, and he does his thinking there. He reads his devotional books or works on whatever he's got new. He's got a 2002 Toyota Tacoma with 311,000 miles that he bought new. Mike thinks it's a Toyota. You can't kill him. And he bought it for his dependability. And probably has the original motor, unlike Felder, who about the same miles has replaced his motor three times. Right. All right. He needs a transmission. Here's another email. This is from Jim. I have a 2016 Mazda MX-5 Miata GT. Mazda recommends 26 PSI in the tires. Every time a local chain tire retail rotates the tires, they up the pressure to 32 PSI. Do they know something Miata doesn't? The 26 is far more comfortable with these 45 aspect tires. So are there any real advantages to 32 PSI setting? Thanks, Jim. Uh, maybe a little more gas mileage, but I would kind of go with what Miata recommended at, at 26 PSI because that's what works for that tire. And maybe it's a more profile tire, so maybe they have a higher PSI. I'm not as, as familiar with that. And generally, it's 32 for any car, so I see where they're coming from with that. They're, because so many cars are 32 PSI, almost all of them, they're not checking that door, that tire um I forget that what it's plate called. That, that's welded that, that's or riveted the, to the mm-hmm. side of your driver's door. Yeah, on everyone's car, on your driver's side door, when you open it, there's a, a tire information uh, little little uh, plate there, and that has your tire pressures and your tire size on there, also for your spare. And um, and all, almost all cars are 32 psi for some reason. Miata says that one should be 26 psi, then that's what it should be. And you can adjust it a little bit. Some people like to up their psi for a little better gas mileage in their vehicles but it can wear your tires funny so you got to be just careful about that but but yeah i would go with what miata does and just tell them that hey this car is different it recommends 26 psi before you let them do the air pressure all right well we're ready for our last break we're taking your repair questions don't forget you can send us an email anytime auto at mpbonline.org. What's new in the news? Hang on a minute and we'll tell you. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio.
You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at mpbonline.org slash autocorrect. And here's what's new in the news this week. This is about uh, truck passengers at risk. Aging pickups shown to be weak on safety. Passengers in modern pickup modern pickup trucks are at higher risk of injury or death than the drivers, according to new research by the Instit- Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. A majority of two-row pickups struggled to maintain their structure, and a new round of crash tests designated to gauge what happens when the front right corner of the vehicle smashes something, IIHS said. The Toyota Tundra had the worst performance of the new round of tests, earning a poor mark. Of the five pickups that had marginal performance, four were General Motors vehicles, the Chevrolet Silverado 1500, the Chevrolet Colorado, GMC Canyon, and GMC Sierra 1500, and the other was a Nissan Frontier. Two had acceptable ratings, the Honda Ridgeline and the Toyota Tacoma. Three had a good score, the F-150 Ram 1500 and Nissan Titan. On the driver's side, all but two pickups got a good score. Only the Tundra and the Frontier received marginal ratings. So... Good for the driver, not so good for the passengers. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm here with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, who's ASE certified. And we're going to get through our last three calls for the hour. Let's go to Ann in Lauderdale County. Ann, thanks so much for calling in to AutoCorrect. You're on the air. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, I was calling concerning the um, frequency of oil changes and which you need to look to uh, more so than uh, in other, whether it's the number of miles you put on the car or whether it's the number of months between the oil change. I have a 2004 Toyota Highlander, and it's a four-cylinder, and it now has uh, about 103,000 miles. I don't drive it that much, maybe uh, probably not a hundred miles a a week. So it's not used that frequently. But I was just curious what you thought, uh, whether on oil changes it should be number of months or the number of miles, because it takes me a good while to put this number of miles between uh, that's suggested for oil changes. Okay, that's a that's a good question. Um, I feel like you could still go by miles, and if it's been if it's been over a year or two t- since the last oil change, and you haven't racked up enough miles for oil change, then consider it. Um, and and do your oil filter and just. And, and, but if it's not getting used, it's just sitting there. It's not building up. The thing that wears oil out is mainly heat, and it causes sludge, and then the condensation from the heat puts water in there and that's where then you want to clear out so usage is what wears out oil so if it's just sitting there you're you're you don't really need to uh-huh. to change it if it's just sitting there so you you want to base yours probably just going by mileage is fine on your vehicle because you still drive it occasionally oh yes i i, I get out once a week 
okay. <laughs> go go get uh, groceries and other little odds and ends and, and things like yeah. that. But or a couple of times, but it's not. Uh, I don't go to work. I'm retired now, so I don't go to work daily. So I, I just limit my trips to when I have to go places and, and all. And occasionally I'll uh, make a, a lengthy jaunt, but it's not very often. But I was curious about that because uh, it's, it's probably getting about time for the uh, the, the number of uh, uh, miles because it's probably been about a year or so since okay. I uh, had it done. I thank you so much. That, that uh, satisfies my mind. That was what I was thinking, too. Okay. But uh, I just uh, wanted to, to see what someone else thought. Thank you again. Appreciate it. You're very welcome. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Ann. Let's now go to Steve, who's on the road. Steve, be extra careful, but we're glad you've called in to autocorrect. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. I have a 2011 Hyundai Sonata. It was handed down to my daughter from my mother-in-law. Uh, at 100,001 miles, started getting a rattling, chattering noise in the steering wheel, the steering column. Okay. Uh, Diagnosed it myself. It's a bushing in the steering column underneath the, the underneath the dash, but it has caused my the uh, the cruise control and the radio controls are on the steering wheel, and none of that works. It all went out at the same time. So when she uh, when we call about the called about it, there's a recall on it, but they said it wasn't covered under the recall because it wasn't a safety issue. I just want to get your thoughts on that. That's one of those things where. I guess they feel like if you can drive it down the road, it must have never locked up on anyone. It's just it's just shaking and and caused those other things. To me, that it does sound like a safety issue, but they must have not had enough problems to to push it like that. There are rules and stuff that they have to go by for when they call a recall. So um, unfortunately, that one it just didn't fall under it. But it sounds like you're you're going to need a new steering column or. Or maybe just that bushing, and I don't understand why that. If it's just that bushing's out, why it would cause the other stuff to not work? But it's that sounds kind of serious to me. Yeah, it's a rubber bush, and they said you know the horn don't work either. So I, to me, that would be a safety issue. But they said it's not a safety issue. Well, does the airbag work? <laughs> you know, so that's. <laughs> that's- I don't, I don't know if I really like where they're coming from with that. But I've never heard of that problem with those cars where that's the first time. But um, w- have you looked and seen what the repair is, what the recommended repair for it is? I uh, I YouTubed it. Uh, I, I found several of them. Uh, it says it takes about 45 minutes to fix it. Me, it would probably take three hours. But, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they of course, the dealership wants to charge $300, but... Yeah, it shows about 45 minutes to an hour to, to fix the issue. And what do you do? You replace that bushing? You've got to drop the whole steering column down. Yes, it's a little, okay. little box under the steering steering wheel. That's a little bushing and okay. rubber bushing. Okay. That's probably not as bad as you think, Dan. Maybe that'll fix the other problems. Yeah, I'd recommend go ahead and doing that then if it's that easy. I think Thank you. I just want to get your thoughts on that the recall part. I didn't know, you know if that was. Yeah, they have. They have. Uh, yeah, it is. They do have rules and regulations. They don't just willy nilly. We're not gonna put a recall on that. You know, for no reason. So they they have their reasonings for it. So um, so that you know that even though it does seem like a safety issue, for some reason they deemed it not necessary. So. All right. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Good well, question. Allison, we have one minute. Tell us how you use your vehicle. 
So uh, I get a lot of questions on how I work being a mechanic, and I do um, all my tools mostly are in the back of my Prius. And um, before that, they were in my van. Before that, they were in my Buick. Before that, they were in my Nissan truck I had. So I've, I've been doing that for a while. And uh, I don't particularly like to do mobile, so I don't want people to think that that's, that's primarily do. I like to I work by appointment at my house, but I have a little shop there, too, that has a lot of my tools in there. But um, I work out of my car. I, I can pretty much rebuild the engine from my back of my car. <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. So when I go on vacation, I take that out. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a small toolbox that has everything just about that I need in it. So it's a, it's a good little setup. I love it. So I've been doing it a long time. So I've got it honed down to exactly what I need in there. <laughs> that's fantastic. And we're, we're that's I'm glad you found something that works for you. Yeah. All right. So that's going to wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Diane, I'm sorry we didn't get to your call. Please send us an email, auto at mpbonline.org. Our call screener today was Jay White and our board engineer is the always stylish and shoe fashionable Michelle McAdoo. For Allison Walker, who you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, the Lady Auto Mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. Up next is our Thursday Southern Remedy show, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Morgan McLeod. Please join us again next Thursday at 10 a.m. for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.